Hello and welcome to the Skanon Podcast. Uh, Ronan jumped right in there. <laughs> Guess who's on this week? Ronan. And? Hi. Grace. Yes, Ronan, you're very excitable. My Lord. I did see you hold your thumb up to Ronan there and I thought you were waiting for one of us to start talking. In fairness. Uh, as if I do such a thing. Um, but yeah. We have a rotating host this week. No, 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 can you imagine? I'd love a week off. God, I miss <laughs> the old days when i just sit here and rock up. <laughs> I, it's tiring. Talk smack out to your fifth point. I know. Amazing. Right. Amazing. Oh. Truly Amazing. Twisted at the hub, indeed. Wait, um, what's your autobiography title? Have we come up with this? Uh, we haven't as of yet, I don't think. Um, it's probably just like guillotine. Hashtag guillotine. You write in maybe a title for Jay's autobiography. Yeah. Ideally one that references Guinness. I lost communism. my heart There you go. There you go. And uh, not to shop. I hasten to add. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so enough, back enough to movies. Talk. Yeah, but, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to uh, what we've watched this week, but then we'll have some... Uh, Movie news, Ooh. maybe even a top ten if you're good, oh my God. and perhaps even perhaps some new releases. Woohoo! But we'll we'll kick off with our usual nonsense. Uh, Ronan, what do you got this week? What do I got? Uh, I saw some things this week. Excellent. This is good. Enough. I actually, I'm looking here. I have a whole raft of three stars. Jesus, not a great week. Um, the IFI did their From the Vaults uh, series, a monthly mm-hmm. screening of uh, something that they dig out. Uh, this week it was Black Day at Black Rock, which is a made-for-TV film from uh, the early part of the last decade. Uh, this is all about a community that uh, receives news that there are going to be 30 asylum seekers coming to live in a hotel there. Uh, the community reacts quite angrily to it, uh, and it kind of disintegrates. Um, it's, broadly speaking, a comedy but it speaks to a lot of concerns that have kind of erupted uh, spectacularly in the last six months in Ireland. Uh, yeah, um, very deliberately for a lot of mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah, a lot of bad actors. Yeah. Um, this Jerry Sembridge. Uh, yes, Jerry Sembridge is the director here who was at the screening. There was a, a productive Q&A afterwards with uh, himself, the leader of uh, Massey, the movement of Sikh, yeah. of the Sikh, Sikh uh, <laughs> movement of <laughs> asylum seekers in Ireland. And a uh, a counselor, um, <coughs> okay, a counselor, I should say. Mm. Uh, I, did he did he get out alive? Uh, uh, she spoke very very eloquently oh, okay. about uh, the the wrong of the direct provision system, how it is inhumane and terrible and all that. And unfortunately, the mic didn't come my way to ask. The way we do kill, yeah. That would have been a fair question. It would have been a very fair question. I'm very annoyed I didn't get to ask it. Uh, the film Never forget that Varadkar was a, just earlier this week said like, you know, it's not perfect, but it has like merit or something it's along those. better than living in tents, Grace. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and you know, it's not like your government actively enables people living in tents mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah, but I'm not Yeah, me, on. but replace <laughs> shot with guillotined. Yeah. <laughs> and we've become a politics podcast again. Hello. Um... <laughs> This film itself is not especially great. It's about an hour long. Um, it's some of the humour I found quite awkward in that it kind of has characters say racist things and obviously it doesn't approve of this, but it finds it a bit funny. Like, it's oh, racist. It's a decade ago type of thing yes, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's of its, it's time, kind perhaps. Of queasy yeah, I can imagine. I found the same thing in The Guard. Uh, yeah. Very similar humour that, you know, there's... Um, 
there's the garden spouting <coughs> all these horribly racist things and you're kind of encouraged to laugh at it which I, I just I have no no but that's a McDonough for you like. that. that is McDonough um, this it, it's not as bad but there are little bits like that that made me queasy some good performances in there it's it's nothing great but it's really interesting and um, Stembridge himself talking afterwards um, th- there was a bit of praise from the audience oh my god this is a prophetic film because at one point the hotel that is going to house the Asylum Seekers is burnt down well, um, no. and he kind of said it's not prophetic it's just this was going on 20 years just ago just nobody it's gave a shit going on. Yeah. we just haven't moved on enough yeah uh, what else? What else? Uh, I caught up with a film that was on my watch list before the end of the year list. Uh, High Flying Bird, the Soderbergh Netflix film. Oh yeah, Lu- uh, Luke was talking about this. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. he was. Was it just last week? Maybe it might have um, been. Last week seems a long time ago. Um, for many reasons. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of that nudged me to to watch it, and I wasn't mad about it. I have to say, uh, shot on an iPhone, and as Luke was saying, it was last week. Yeah, um, thanks, Luke. Um, it looks, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like it was shot on an iPhone, but it doesn't look like it was shot on a film camera. I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the look of it. It's got a very, you know, it's it's kind of used that aesthetic for uh, immediacy and intimacy. You know, you feel like you're in the moment, like it's something captured on social media. Yeah. Um, and there are all sorts of weird angles, Soderbergh doing Soderbergh. Uh, it's all about the behind the scenes machinations of the NBA during some sort of strike or something, I don't know. <laughs> really great performances in here. Um, a lot of like one-on-one dialogue scenes that are quite, uh, you know, toothy things for actors to get into. Um, Kyle MacLachlan shows up. In a Always welcome. Fantastically haired role. <laughs> um, it's good fun. I wasn't crazy about it. I'm, I can be a bit hot and cold in Soderbergh, and this is kind of middle of the road he's, for me. It's one of those filmmakers. Though. He, he's quite prolific, so yeah, yeah. quality does tend to kind of yo-yo a little mm-hmm. bit. I find. Mm-hmm. I've heard really bad things about the Laundromat, which yeah. is his other Netflix yeah. one. It doesn't look particularly. Yeah. The trailer Does annoyed it? me yeah. so much. I'm probably like, I'll probably watch it, but yeah. I don't know. yeah, no. Um, I might catch up with it, but we'll see. Um, this not hugely sold on. I love everything that's underneath it. It's a very good script because it gets at those classic kind of underlying Soderbergh themes of um, capitalism. Uh, you know, kind of the idea of overthrowing the system. It's very much literally a story of the workers you know taking over you know refusing to be used really interesting stuff in there i don't think it quite translates to a terribly entertaining film all the time but be worth watching might enjoy it more i think luke did yeah he seemed to like it a little more than you did i think uh there was um a very cute picture of roger corman at the premiere of the irishman earlier this week and that made me want to watch a roger corman film he i tend to forget like there's a there's a kind of group of people that I figure are still alive, mm, and Roger yeah, Corman is one of those people. Very, so very when he old. eventually dies, I'll be like, Roger Corman's alive. Right. I thought he died yeah. like 1997. I would have thought he was dead. Yeah, mm, yeah. he's uh, fabulously prolific as a producer, of course, but as a director as well, he made some very very good films. All mm. his Edgar Allan Poe films are terrific adaptations. He's got a bunch of really kind of uh, impressive social stuff, like The Intruder with um, William Shatner, yeah, which is excellent really really good the only film of his he said that didn't make money hmm. um, I watched The Little Shop of Horrors which is a blast it's such silly humour this is the original uh, right yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the original there's a pre Rick Moranis remake uh, yeah, yeah, that, from the 80s um, sprung from a musical that was adapted from this film yeah, yeah. Uh, in a very the producers kind of way uh, this is just spectacularly good fun really quick wit very Jewish humour 
um <laughs> there's a character in it who is jewish and it, it takes a lot of cues from that kind of classic the kind of humor that like woody allen co-opted a lot of the time as well with that like quick wit mm -hmm. uh it's absolutely great fun really fucking hokey you know it's it's got a a talking plant that comes to life and has to be uh, fed people to keep going sounds like my kind of plant <laughs> yeah it looks just round up finnegale and <laughs> in go in you go leo <laughs> I'm not Arse saying Frankrich first. should be shot. I'm saying he should be fed to a plant. Yeah. Um, it was a blast. I had really good fun with this. It's it's nonsense, but yeah. Laughed loads. A bit of nonsense is okay. A bit of nonsense is good for you. Uh, and then I had an accidental double bill of my beloved Anne Bancroft uh, because The Graduate came on TV and I couldn't not sit down and watch it. Graduate is, by my count, one of the 27 greatest films ever made. I say that because I've given five stars and I've only given 27 films five stars. Only 27? So only 27? I, the whole five star system, when you take half stars into account, I think you only ever need eight. Roger Ebert had it right. You know, he had a four star scale and he'd have his half stars as well. I think you only need eight because eight, you know, they're sort of eight uh, general levels of quality. I almost never hand out uh, half a star or five stars because, I don't know. It's weird. Doesn't I'm intrigued sense. now. I'm, I'm going to see <laughs> you, how many. You also told me about some head. weird scale before that broke my brain. Point system. Yeah, that's, that broke uh, my brain. From Neil Young, the uh, yeah. freelance critic who that, writes regularly for you, Hollywood you, Reporter. You, you, you broke me. I still he can't. I still don't understand. That. Had a previous career <coughs> as uh, setting the odds in horse racing. Yes, I know he does uh, that now and again with yeah, Oscar yeah, yeah, predictions yeah, and absolutely. stuff like that. Um, very, very interested in numbers. Yeah, the twenty-seven points. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. It breaks but my face. Twenty-seven is too many. It is twenty-seven. I like. I like a five-star system. I got to be honest. It's nice, but. I only and I like a four and a half star. I only ever do eight. Cause I'll give something four and a half star. Like I've given nothing this year five star. Like about three films in the decade I've given five star because. So what are you I saying then? Are you saying that if you give something four stars or four and a half stars, it's essentially the same as giving me a five star? Kind of, yeah. Like okay. something will only get a five star maybe on a third watch, and I'm like, this is brilliant. The graduate Jesus. got five stars about three years ago on my fifth watch or something. So I was like, yeah, quite miserly. I am. I yeah. absolutely am. I yep. have 16 movies on Letterboxd that have five stars. 16? 60. 60. But some of them are TV shows. Uh, Why are they on Letterboxd? Grace. <laughs> this is a whole Grace. other debate. I'm sorry. This, that'd be a podcast extra where we debate no, really. the adding of TV to Letterboxd. Yep. Which and, you know, needed. flicking through them, I, I feel uncomfortable to stand over most of mm. these. What about the TV stuff, though? The TV stuff, let me see. Yes, yes, yes. Okay How many TV things have you got on there? I can see three here. This is greatly upsetting me, Grace. Not I bet you none of them are Twin Peaks. Wait, is Wallace and Gromit the wrong trousers a TV thing? No, technically? no. Okay. That's well a then. Um, yes, then I have three okay. telly things that I can see. It's people the that keep adding TV rest? stuff. It's weird. I see Chernobyl popping up all the time and it drives me up the wall. The rest are yeah. movies. Okay, well, at least good. I don't know how many I have, uh, but I, I watch, try to watch as many good films as I can. Mm. So. Oh, one of them is a concert film. Oh, that's, accept that's acceptable. I have a fair few four and a half now here. Are you well. saying The Last Waltz is not a film? I haven't Rome. seen it. I cannot comment. Okay. Yeah. It's actually a documentary. But anyway. from that. Yeah. I do have a relatively recent movie as a four and a half that I imagine will up be upgraded to a five. It's yeah. There's a couple of films I have so. that like that I know are going to be fives eventually. Mm. I won't well, give it to me. Well. I probably will. Well, certainly a five. The Graduate is amazing. I, graduate. I haven't seen Graduate it's, in years. I do love it though. I think it's. One, I haven't seen Full Stop. It's potentially my very favorite film from that, <gasps> a, from that era in American cinema. <laughs> don't don't Jesus. Go putting it down as my number one of all time. Heart attack there. Right? Uh, I watched it. I had a bunch of friends over that night, and it came on TV, and I was like, "Everybody, shut up! We're watching The Graduate." <laughs> um, 
a couple of them hadn't seen it and were really really hooked on it it went down really really well um it's it's so beautiful there's like i completely lost myself in that um the sequence over um oh what's the song called is it april come she will um the entire soundtrack is amazing yes it is um but it's that sequence that it's uh kind of cross-cutting benjamin's home life and his affairs and covers the whole summer uh it's just so perfectly put together often yeah. forget how like technically sure it is the only oscar it won was best director from like nick Mike Nichols, was a fine fine filmmaker deserved. it's absolutely tremendously put together um yeah i could watch this again and again and again and again and i think it's one of the films i'd rewatch most often actually this is your baby driver <laughs> this is your jurassic park <laughs> if you're me yeah if you're Greece, yeah. uh and and bancroft who is fucking like six years older than uh, Dustin Hoffman, which is wait, that's it, yeah. and that's yeah, the, and yeah. they make and she's out like she's like a fucking owl, the, the mother, yeah, like yeah. yeah, she's playing about twenty Let's. years older. Than Why that, am I even course. surprised? Mm. Yeah, um, that's Hollywood for you. At least things have changed. Lol. <laughs> Stop. Lol. Uh, but Anne Bancroft is absolutely magnetic. She is. She's great. It is a remarkable performance, and I came out of it kind of thinking, God, I love Anne Bancroft. Why don't I watch more Anne Bancroft? A fair question. And then you watched the Grand Bancroft film. I went to the IFI for the mystery matinee. And oh, it was an M. Bancroft film. Was it? I was thrilled when it came. That's out. amazing. It was Home for the Holidays, the Jodie Foster film. I've never seen it. Uh, I had never seen it. I wasn't really aware of it. It's good fun. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a Holly Hunter and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Holly that Hunter big... is a uh, rest uh, art restoration person. I'm sure there's a proper title, whatever. It probably isn't that though. Um, it's probably not that. No, an art <laughs> restoration person. Yes, that's what um, they are now. The official title. It's got a gorgeous, <coughs> gorgeous opening sequence that's kind of uh, detailing her repairing a painting, and then she's fired, and she goes home for Thanksgiving, and she has to kind of pretend her life is together. She's a single mother. And her daughter has told her quite sharply that she's going to go have sex that weekend for the first time. And Holly Hunter, you love like, to hear it. <laughs> what? Uh, this is like that bit in Coyote Ugly where she's like, "So for the last sixteen years, I've been raising my daughter all by myself, and two weeks ago, she tells me that she is a bisexual and that she hates <laughs> me more than anyone else on this planet." <laughs> it's a great moment. Sorry, I'm go on. Watch that now. Coyote Ugly is great. Um, this has absolutely terrific cast. Anne Bancroft is her mother, and rips the film out of everybody's hands repeatedly it is such a great performance because she's one of those uh you know dominant matriarchal presences mm. who has these little moments that are almost always carried in just kind of a flick of the eye that bancroft does where it cuts through the caricature it's really subtly observed there's a lot of nuance to this performance and foster directs the actors particularly well here. Robert Downey Jr. is Holly Hunter's brother who is gay um, and gives a really interesting performance actually. He's similar, like he's a really loud, obnoxious character that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Obviously that's the intent but I got fed up with him. But similarly he has these <coughs> little moments, these little asides where you realise it's all a bit of an act and it's a really well observed family movie in that way. Yeah, you know the the way you kind of when you're around your family in some ways you revert you put on a bit of a performance you let your guard down sometimes it gets at that very very well oh. it's uh, what were the trailers before tra yeah so the the IFI at their mystery matinees always play kind of hint trailers to give you a, a bit of a flavour and I, I 
didn't guess this, but uh, we had planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, um, so I love planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, I can't remember what they all were actually, because there was a there was a Christmas movie in there. I was like, oh God, we get in a Christmas film. I would have been happy to watch a Christmas film. No, Grace has got me hooked. Oh, it's not. Fair you know how I feel about these things. We do, Grace. A Christmas Prince. Um, I need to watch. It. I'm going to watch that this Christmas. Yay! All three of them. My gift to you. You should. You should all watch three all three of them back yourself. to back. They're short. I'll see how the first one goes. The second one is amazing. And yeah. for many, many, from many, you, many from you reasons. Lot talking about it, like, I it's, really do want to watch this. It has a nice little socialist kick to it, yeah, if you can say that about a film odd. centering the monarchy. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> and most importantly, Aldovia is canonically an EU member state because the currency is the euro. Yeah. So. Canonically. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Uh, it is Thanksgiving soon, isn't it? I've no idea. It's Americans, isn't it? Sometime in November. Yeah, it is in November, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah home for the holidays. Really, really enjoyed it. Coming up to Thanksgiving, maybe y'all should watch it. Maybe I will. Um, and yeah, I haven't seen much of Foster's directorial work, actually. This was, this was very good. This was I've watch seen a couple. I've seen Little Man Tate and something else, which escapes me completely, but I'll remember it. Maybe it's Home for the Holidays. I can't remember. It's been years. Maybe. I don't think she's made that in a while, though. The uh, as a director. couple of years back. Yeah, so yeah. Stop, Mel. Well. Stop. Stop. No. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I had was End of Desire, which is a French film from the late 50s. Um, this, is re- this is interesting because it's kind of very old-fashioned, and it put me in mind, this is probably the kind of thing that Goddard and Truffaut and all of them were giving out about, that they were like, oh, these Let's react this, the reaction that from been, that. That have been plugging up our cinemas for years that we must overthrow because they both premiered their debuts two, three years after this. Uh, it's based on a novel by uh, Guy de Maupassant, I think. I have no idea if I said that right. Um, it sounded right to me. We'll, we'll say it is. It sounded vaguely French. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, it's the effort. Um, <laughs> this is kind of weird because it's... Uh, within the first ten minutes, there's a, a comely maiden who is sort of swept up by a dashing man who's just clearly a dick. That sounds very um, French. Yeah. Yeah. They get married and he's such a dick and he just is a dick to her and that's about it for two hours to her throughout this film and it's a bit like does she inexplicably remain infatuated with him oh of course she adores him he's there having affairs all over the place and she's like vive la france Uh, it is like it's not in any way approving of his dickishness but it's I can understand it's the kind of film that they were looking to be like nah Let's not do those you know, kind of things anymore. And fascinating that within the next 10 years, I think my view of it is really impacted by the fact that within the next 10 years, you get Verda coming along and completely uh, tearing this kind of thing to shreds with... Um, is it happiness? Is the, what's the, the Russian title of that one? The really colourful one. Sunflowers. Lebanon. Lebanon. That's the one. That is happiness, isn't it? It means happiness, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, that's great, and it gets into that kind of thing. Completely. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's a reaction to that kind of story. So I spent an awful lot of this film talking, thinking about Varda, which you know, not unusual. No, Varda is never me. far from either of your minds. I would wager she's never far from my heart. <laughs> Bless her. I will um, completely lower the tone of this conversation and say that I came very close to, when you kept saying dickishness. There, I came very close to just saying mm, dick. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I started thinking That's about our <laughs> hashtag big swinging dicks conversation in the group chat. This is not a family podcast. I'm uh, very sorry. Yeah. Turn your kids away from dicks podcast. Yeah. Good lord. What I can always be like? relied upon. Good one. Good one. I like it. That probably could have counted as like a vague form of sexual harassment. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, indeed. 
Thank you, Ronan. Thanks, Ronan. Ooh. Well done. Have a sleep. You've, you've earned it. Bye. Soft snoring somewhere in the background. <laughs> Grace, what do you got? Okay, so Hippie. I have uh, I have about six new watches. Um, so I'll go with the Scorsese one first because yes. I need to pick up my Marshy season again. I've been very slack for the past couple of weeks. I didn't want to say, so, but I've been thinking it. No, I have. In fairness, I've been just been bad at keeping up with stuff in general. But anyway, so I finally watched the next movie on my list, which was The Color of Money. So I have to disclaim my review by saying that I haven't seen The Hustler. I don't know how much my opinion of the movie may be impacted by the fact I haven't seen it. It's, it's pretty but, standalone. Yeah. You get everything you need from it. I mean, I got that only. vibe. Yeah, there yeah. didn't seem to be a lot that I couldn't follow, but I was wondering if maybe there were little throwbacks or in-jokes here and there. There are a couple there of things I, around characters you know, and stuff, but I don't think you're... I don't think our movie is going to be impacted by that scene. We, oui. um, so anyway, I liked this. I thought this was this was good. It was a little bit inconsequential in the sense that I can't see myself ever really watching it again or even remembering whole chunks of it. Mm. Um, but I did think that it was engaging while it was on. The performances are all very good. Obviously, Paul Newman is fantastic, and Tom Cruise as charismatic as you would expect, and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, the quiet MVP in the back. She's brilliant. She's amazing and she's like staggeringly beautiful she as is. well. Just insane to look at. Um, but yeah, I like this. I really, unsurprisingly, I really like the way it was filmed and the way it's realized and put together and kind of the, um, the kind of the mix between very sort of steady, sort of contemplative filmmaking and then stuff that's a lot more frenetic when they get into the scenes involving pool. Yeah. Because I suppose if you're not that interested in it as a, does it count as a sport? as an activity Gray area. pursuit whatever you want to call it an activity um, I mean if you're not that interested in it it's hard to imagine it ever being kind of quite exciting or yeah. interesting because it doesn't seem like something that would really blow you away but I think there are some very interesting shots in here just yeah. in terms of just capturing yeah. yeah capturing a certain sense of energy yeah. and also the um just the vibe in the room and kind of the how intense it can get in these little quiet moments and then the sound design is really interesting yeah. in that regard of course because the uh, the sound of the breaks and the cues hitting off the balls and so on and so forth is uh, pretty cool so yes I like this I don't think it will rank probably very highly in terms of my ultimate overall ranking yeah, of this yeah. filmography no, get which has nothing to do with the filmmaking just the story is not one that will stay I mean, with you for very long in the but, but it's good the 80s era it was a bit of a one for us and one for them thing. yeah and this was one for them in the studio mm -hmm. kind of would it trouble your top 10 um, probably not but that's more to do with the other films than this yeah. I, I really like yeah. it I've seen it a few I mean times. it's an enjoyable um, watch certainly it is. like you know it's, watch it's easy to look at honest, like regardless I, 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 do a lot of, I have a lot of time for it Forrest Whitaker pulls an absolute stormer of a oh my gosh yeah like it's a surprise cameo out of oh, nowhere great. great for pointless he's very good great for pointless like he just comes in and nearly pockets the movie like and yeah I feel like there's a sorry an interesting little insight into that whole culture as well that you know you maybe don't don't see very often John Turturro pops up as well Oh, so fine, fine little cast. It's it's a really it's, it it's a like it as Grace says. I think in consequential is probably fair. It's not done for anything other than for the like, sake of it. I mean, he, he made money back then as well because he did the bad video for Michael Jackson, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they got Richard Price to write it, wrote like uh, Clockers and stuff like that, mm. and like spent like eight million quid or whatever. Like, Clockers yeah. is good. Yeah, Clockers great. Clockers, uh, Clockers Scorsese was the director. I dropped mm. out last minute. And Spike Lee came in yeah. and he's produced it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of in that eighties kind of, it a funny eighties like there's a lot of kind of odd films alongside. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until ninety and he got kind of proper money for Goodfellas where before that yeah. it was all a bit kind of. It's probably an opportunity for him weird. to try through a few tricks and sort of just yeah. mess around a bit and so on and but, yeah, obviously that's the last temptation of Christ, yeah, Grace, my oh. lord, you're in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the trailers they showed before. Home was this? Yeah. Wow. That yeah. seems a bit random. It does. A bit or is there is there an obvious connection of dots there that I'm not getting? 
Has Shani been in the cast or anything? Uh, uh, maybe. And Bancroft played Jesus, didn't she? Yes. Maybe that she was made it. She made a Jesus. If only. Mm. Great. It was supposed to be Aidan Quinn actually uh, really? and because of the lanes of the film he was contractually brought to do something else that he got wind of the phone It's great Last Temptation is terrific well, I look forward to it really something. Yeah it really is So I have that next Hugo and Taxi Driver Is yes. that right? Oh this Taxi Driver cool. I'm so excited I saw it was brilliant Chris. That's really, well, really good We'll see it's like your your faith gives me faith. It's like a good Joker, Grace. <laughs> okay, well, I haven't seen Joker and I don't intend Nor to ever I. see it, so I'll just watch the original. You, Grace, you, you promised us. You were assigned this. We assigned you um, this film. No, I believe I was assigned actually, no, the Goldfinch. Yeah, you were actually assigned the Joker, Ronan, if I remember correctly. So, Grace, well pointed. I had to go and, go and see my son <laughs> with his ridiculous name. <laughs> what were you assigned, Jay? I don't, I ass- I'm the presenter. I don't get assigned Jack. Uh, I assign. Mm-hmm. I do not get I assigned. I you were assigned all of if, Fast and Furious. If anybody oh, else that's wants a good to, point. If anybody else wants to prep the podcast, I'll go to see films. Okay. <laughs> Shit. You weren't supposed to say, okay, you won't do it. That's an empty promise. I'll show up with a sheet of paper to <laughs> with, And it's like, what's on it? That's a picture of a face. Like you're a newscaster. Just like ruffle <laughs> your yeah. papers and go, <laughs> hmm, well. Hmm. You, strike, you strike me as somebody that carries a suitcase around, but you know, your sandwiches and they were no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, you open it and it's just cake. a flask of tea. And cake. <laughs> and maybe a cake. Yeah. Emergency cake. Don't, don't, don't think for a second I don't respect it, Rob. Um, so, um, what else you got, Chris? Yeah, so that was The Colour of Money. Then I watched a movie I've never seen before, which is Moonstruck. Sure. On Netflix, yes. And, uh, and Nicolas Cage. Cage. This was very enjoyable. It is. I really like it. I don't know why I, was, I sound so surprised because I'd heard lots of good things about it beforehand, but it's, it's so light. So odd. Fresh and fun and just like really kind of, yeah, quite a random story that, you know, you it's just been plucked out of the air. But I just thought the, um, the way it explores kind of family dynamics and, you know, relationships and feelings and all this sort of stuff was quite, it was just really nice. Sure, terrific. Because it doesn't feel... This isn't a criticism in any way, but it doesn't feel weighty in any no. way. It doesn't feel like it's making any really deep, profound pronouncements. Which is a skill on, itself, because it's very Yeah, uncanny. precisely. But it's just, it, it gets at, I think, family dynamics in quite a realistic way, or what felt like a realistic way to me, but in a way that was always very engaging and quite heartfelt and just very entertaining. Like, everyone in it was just really enjoyable to look at. Yeah. Nicolas Cage, very earnest and romantic. <coughs> threatening to throw himself under a bus or thing figuratively um, and Cher is wonderful she I'll is. watch her in anything she's just like a charisma machine yeah she is I love Cher and there's something quite sweet as well about the storyline of her just sort of approaching you know interpersonal relationships in a very sort of practical way and kind of very thoughtful and then actually having an experience where she just kind of lets her heart lean out of her head and that's that's quite nice yeah I like that so, so yeah that was fun that was a nice like kind of Sunday night watch um, I also watched Memories of Murder which is one of the Bong Joon-ho movies I've been meaning to catch up with for a while um, this was very good it was not at all what I expected which is just purely based on my own ignorance of the real life events inspiring it I assumed that there would be some sort of nice neat resolution at the end and spoiler there is not yes I, I, I'd but, heard that but mm-hmm. let's not spoil anything more because I still haven't seen it okay I won't I'd, say I'd too much, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, I have it on DVDs to watch and I've been mean to watch it for ages. No, it's very good. It has that good kind of... Um, well, I don't think it's unique to him, but it's a very sort of Korean approach to things yeah. where they treat subjects that are very serious with like very kind of dark moments in one scene and then something that is just like outright buffoonery that you can do <laughs> nothing but laugh at in the next scene. Like I was saying to the guys earlier, there's at least... I, if I remember correctly, there's at least like 
three or four, possibly even more, just outright drop kicks to the chest in this, where, you know, instead of having a nice, straightforward approach to um, arresting someone where you would possibly read them their rights and put the handcuffs on, instead you would chase them down a hill or stand them up behind a desk, drop kick them in the chest and then put the handcuffs on. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Great sign of uh, core strength, though. So, um... (laughs) Yeah, but there's a nice kind of um, uh, underlying sort of commentary in this movie in terms of the uh, priorities of the state. So just to give you um, the storyline, it's based on a real life series of murders that happened in a small um, Korean town between, I think it is the late 80s, like maybe around 1986 and the early 90s. That too, I think they have been solved in the sense that there's someone who has confessed to them now, as far as I know. But at the time this movie was made, they had not been solved. So... Anyway, so the movie doesn't have a clear-cut resolution as such. It just kind of looks at the investigation. Um, But there is this kind of underlying focus on the way the investigation was not necessarily taken as seriously as it should have been. Um, The police force didn't have the resources that they needed to investigate, so things like forensics and various other things were really messed up. And there is quite a pointed um, suggestion, which seems fair in my point of view that the government was more obsessed with putting resources into security teams cracking down on protesters about various social issues than um, putting resources into the police investigation of this. So, yeah, it's it's, it's quite rough. But um, it is an interesting take on the subject matter in that it did, it put me in mind of Zodiac, which I suppose Zodiac probably borrowed quite liberally from this. Oh, it absolutely did. um, Um, Because obviously Zodiac is also about a series of murders that have not been resolved. In fairness to Fincher, I think he's uh, he's acknowledged it as well. Oh yeah, I have a lot of time for Fincher. Yeah, Yeah, and he's not one for stealing in that sense. Like, but he's very, he can be influenced quite easily and he's happy to talk about it as well, you know. I wondered why Zodiac had so many drop kicks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's a fair point, Ron. <laughs> Those infamous scenes of Jake Gyllenhaal just <laughs> leaping over a desk. Um, but no, I think just in terms of the atmosphere, it's quite brooding. Like, there's a little bit more levity in this than you would get in something like Zodiac, shall we say. But just in terms of, like, the level of intensity and how it can take over your life and the way, like, as a detective, you become so frustrated and you just want to pin it on literally anyone yeah. that you sort of start making shit up and it becomes almost about confirmation bias. But um, just the way that that's managed and kind of the shifts in tone and, and then the way it depicts some of the crimes themselves without giving any clear indication of who may have done it, I think is, is handled quite well. And it's just very very engaging like you don't want even though in the general scheme of things very little actually happens it's just a lot of detectives sort of bumbling their way through an investigation and arguing with each other about the best way to go forward um it's very absorbing from the moment it starts and just really kind of sucks you into that world and kind of the constrictions that they face and and or the constraints i don't know if constriction is a word anyway um but yeah, I really liked it. So I'm glad I finally had an opportunity to watch it because I've been meaning to catch up with it for ages. And then uh, Doctor Sleep is in the top 10, is it? it? Is. So it is. I will come back to it. Um, so the other movie I'll watch is Holiday in the Wild, which was um, our other movie I'll mention even because I've already watched it. Yes. Which was, um, I don't know if it was the first one, but it feels like the first kind of Netflix holiday slash Christmas uh, rom-com. And it is actually lovely. I really, really like this movie. Now, I know I have... Um, I'm biased because I love crap Christmas rom-coms. <laughs> Most of them I can say out loud are pretty crap but enjoyable in their own way. This one yeah. I feel is actually quite a good movie overall. So essentially it's about this woman who's... um, So her husband decides that he doesn't love her anymore and that he's moving out and her son heads off to college and all of that happens in like the first 10 minutes 
and she decides because she's booked this second honeymoon for herself and her now ex-husband she decides she'll just go on it by herself and she goes to I think she's meant to be in Zambia but this was shot as far as I know mostly in South Africa and she she used to be a vet but she stopped working when she had her son and anyway in a roundabout series of events um, she meets a pilot she's taking her on safari they find an orphaned elephant and bring an elephant to an, to the <laughs> elephant sanctuary and, and yes very much so and because she's a vet and they need some help she decides to stick around and help them with the elephants and it is beautiful everything about it is just so gorgeous they have footage from an actual elephant sanctuary I do believe Kristen Davis is a patron of a well known charity called the Sheldrick Trust which is based in Savo to the best of my knowledge um so I, I would go as far as me, noted elephant expert, would go as far as to say this feels like a very accurate portrayal of what an elephant sanctuary would actually be like. They have to wear little blankets and they get separation anxiety, so their keepers the have to sleep with them overnight. Oh, I want to watch it's this. lovely. But just also, it's just a very kind of gentle, sweet, quite heartwarming look of this woman rediscovering a sense of purpose in her life. And I think there's something to be said for that, especially because she's meant to be older. I mean, Kristen's Davis still looks a lot younger than she is, but I'm guessing she's meant to be an older and inverted commas woman in the sense that she's maybe in her late 40s early 50s um, and a, a demographic you know not noted for its positive representation on screen um, so there's something quite nice in this I think just in the way it allows her to just have a really gentle little adventure and, and rediscover her skills and be valued for those skills and then of course because it is a rom-com fall in love by the end so I just thought it was very would like, I like this? I think you would if you can suspend okay. your cynicism for long enough I don't think you can can't I? Well, I mean, hey, very. I Christmas Prince and Christmas Prince too. I might, I might, I might There's yeah. very little conflict in this that isn't like extremely basic stuff that could be solved with a conversation. But yeah. it's not like soapy drama yeah, okay. in my mind. It just, it just feels like it just wants to be kind of nice and heartfelt and uplifting for the sake of it. And I appreciated that. It's and also, Jay, because you like warm weather, there's sunshine all over it, so you can I just like look at like constant sunny skies with elephants. And this sounds alright to me. Yeah. And Rob Lowe is in it as the aforementioned pilot, so I don't know if your mileage may vary in him. My mother hates him, so she complained about him a lot. But other than that, it was great. And I'll come back to Dr. Sleep later. So that's me. Excellent. Um, Yeah, I've I've watched a few, so here we go. Um, I watched one, a film on Netflix called In the Shadow of the Moon, which is a new Why does that ring a bell? It's a newish one, so it's probably plastered all over your Netflix every time you log in. What's it about? It's a thriller about... Um, oh, wait a minute. Is this about the female serial killer? Yes. Yes. And what's his face? Discount Charlie Hunnam running after. He is. And he's a yellow pack Charlie Hunnam, isn't he? He's, he is. He's, he's Poundland Charlie Hunnam. What's his face? Uh, Boyd Holbrook. Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. Boyd Who a name Holbrook. I will never remember at any point. From Narcos. in front of me. Boyd he is not good. Holbrook. Used to be engaged to Elizabeth Olsen. He, he... What? Yeah. What a jammy bastard. Is he how Holbrook? Used to be. <laughs> oh. Not so jammy. I have no idea. He's certainly not having anyway, Holbrook's yes, he, uh, talent. Yeah, but this guy is the apple has fallen. Not from the tree, it's in a different orchard. Um, he is the cheap the Charlie on him. We, yeah, we can say cheap. that out I think that's where... Um, this, uh, it, this is kind of a thriller that starts off doing one thing and then becomes a kind of sci-fi thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't at all meld them together. It like it forgets the thriller part about halfway through <laughs> and just becomes a thing. And then yeah, it, I think this started popping up on my feed because yeah. I was watching Mindhunter. Yeah, that, that'd be right. <laughs> um, it, like it, it starts off okay. It's interesting, and the idea of female serial killer is interesting because mm-hmm. it doesn't it's really rare. happen. Um, but there's a reason for that, and there's a reason why it doesn't really work here either, which I'm not going to spoil should you watch it. But it, like, it attempts to kind of be... Rona's going to run straight out. And it's at set it. in six different times. Like, it starts off in like nah. 1980-something, or 1978, then goes skips nine years, then skips nine years, then ends up in 2024 or something. 
So is and he so meant to be it, like uh, one of those detectives where this is the case that's haunting yeah, him? Yeah, kind exactly of thing, yeah, exactly. He's, he's a beat cop at the start and he becomes... Yeah. And what's his face is in it? Dexter, the guy from Dexter. Ah, Dexter. Uh, Dexter, how knowing. Yeah, he, he came back out of woods from the last episode and pops up in this. Um, who's the kind of older cop? And Is he grizzled? Does he have a beard? He, that's what you do to make age him, essentially, which is not a bad way of doing it. Clean cut, wherever the start, and get progressively hairier to make them look older, you know? Um, it's actually it works quite well in that regard it's just it's a it's a bit of a mess and it doesn't really know where it wants to be it starts off promising enough your mileage may vary in terms of how much enjoyment you get over ultimately like at the end I was like oh like grand mm-hmm. like nothing grand you wouldn't be going out of your way I wouldn't be like saying go watch it but if you know, very passable couple of hours like yeah, it's just it's ambitious it's just the yeah. ambition the talent doesn't match the ambition anywhere really except for the person who plays the female it was quite good but, oh, yeah, uh, my sister was mentioning something about She was in something I else, I think, and I've yeah. forgotten already because like, this film just really won't stay in the memory. I can't. <laughs> Boy, Holbrook, whoever he is. Uh, he's terrible. Uh, he re- he's uh, he's up there. What's the other guy's name that I always forget? Finn Wolfhard. Wolf Finnhard. I, I like <laughs> uh, him. Yeah, he's, he's, he doesn't exist either. Okay, but Finn Wolfhard is actually a promising young actor. He's not great. He's, he a, he's a made up person. He he's not real. If you're listening, which we know you are, Finn, I'm so sorry. For Listen, Mr. Wolfhard, enough of your nonsense. Yes. We'll have no more of it. You 16 year old out there, you're definitely listening. We could probably to beat us. him up if he's 16. Jay, Can you listen, listen to, to yourself. TikTok? Yeah, wherever the kids are listening. Can't use staplers, though. Thank you, Stacey, for that reminder. That's great. That's really uh, upsetting to me. Yeah. Staplers are not a complicated thing. Apparently, not. Well, you, see, you say that, Grace. Good lord. What, what are they saying about your generation? You know, you can't buy homes. <laughs> oh, yeah, we spent all mean. our money on that avocado toast. Yeah, stop avocado toast, Grace. Stop it. Just Although for that expression, is you might, we mightn't guillotine you, but we might chop off a hand. Excuse me, I'd be leading their, their, their thing. I'd guillotine everyone. When the inevitable coup comes, Listen, I'm, and I've, I've been eaten by the wolves, and, I might be my, and Ronan my has compound drowned to be his hob. Yeah, that's fair. In a tub of like pasta sauce or something. <laughs> what a way to go. He died as he lived, cooking very drunk. <laughs> it's true. But or he caught on fire very yeah, drunk and just burned a little too fast. <laughs> Anyway, enough of the enough of the, the revolution talk for the moment. For now, uh, I, I also rewatched Over a film that I haven't seen. I don't think since it's come out. Um, what lies beneath the Robert Ooh, Zemeckis yes, film with uh, Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer, written um, by Agent Coulson. Is it? Tis. Tis. He's a bit sneaky, you know. He's like, no, it's good script. It's like how randomly Stoker was written by Wentworth Miller, and you're like, Wentworth Miller? Yes. Who's Wentworth Miller again? Uh, Prison Break. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not, not as much as impressive as, as uh, the H.G. Colson one um, but uh, yeah this is great it's, this is very Hitchcockian it's, it's Zemeckis flexing his Hitchcock muscles it's full of uh, oh, Zemeckis of course uh, he used to be a good filmmaker he used to be a great filmmaker then he just turned <laughs> the to dog he shit to be. he hasn't made a good film in donkey I years. mean that's a fair point but like yeah. he has made two phrases in order to rap it's one of the greatest ones ever made Polar so Express. and what's the, what's the, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt dog shit with the, the Twin Towers one the, oh god <laughs> I was about to say Looper. Oh, that the, <laughs> the documentary the the, the, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, the one with the terrible French it's accent. Really bad. Which Joseph Gordon Levitt yeah, yeah. speaks French. So why is his French really? accent so I shit? I don't yes. know why I don't know why that film was made. It's ill conceived from the get go. No. But this is good. He was good back in two thousand. Uh Michelle Pfeiffer is so hot. She's unreal. Like the woman would kill you with a look. And just like that, we level out my earlier dick remark. Yeah, this uh, is an great. equal opportunities podcast. But the structure of the script is really good because you, you get this kind of drip feed of information, and it gets yeah. the Hitchcock thing with like, did she see what she really seen? That kind of stuff goes on, and then it, it upends the whole thing at the end. There's this really interesting sequence about of about fifteen twenty minutes. It's kind of 
it's kind of the climax but it goes on for another 10-15 minutes it's a slightly more actiony mm-hmm. scene but the scene before it lasts about 15 minutes or so and practically nothing happens like it's really quiet mm-hmm. it's re- and it's really effective um, and smart and like if it ended there it could have actually been almost better it probably didn't need the scene I had at the end but I, I really liked it it's, it's very well made and mm-hmm. Ford and Pfeiffer great together uh, well recommended really recommended I feel like somebody else is in that in this you probably of... are I just can't remember uh, I'll look it up. Continue. I also rewatched JFK. No. Uh, oh, I love JFK. Very long. Oh, I watched the director's cut, which is three hours and twenty minutes. Um, this is one of those rare movies that's that long where I honestly didn't feel the length. Yes. though I loved it. I have a couple of issues. There's a couple of issues with JFK. Well, one, the director's cut is not necessary because he just adds in these weird scenes where Kevin Costner's character, uh, what's his name, Jim Garrison, goes onto a talk show, and then that's not ends necessary. up at an airport where he's like being followed really weird no real kind of nest- like you can see why it's cut which is why director's sure. cuts are never good because the only stuff that shouldn't unless be in the film yeah unless they're short um, I- OMG Jay sorry to cut across you go on um, Agent Coulson's co-writer on What Lies Beneath is apparently the woman who wrote and directed Strike Grace what information you're the information master today I like that I can't believe I didn't know that before anyway sorry continue yes JFK I like JFK quite a bit uh-huh. Like the conspiracy stuff is nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Oh, but it's such fun it is nonsense. nonsense. It you is. can really buy into it for like the three hours the, you're watching it. Treatment of gay characters is problematic to say the least. Um, can you hear my eyebrows arching? Uh, have you seen JFK? No. There's the whole thing is like this cabal of people that have gay orgies killed JFK essentially along with the mafia and we've taken it a lot uh, you really have uh, you've done, that would have been a more fun way for but JFK to go probably it's like and Death it's not one of those orgy. things that you know <laughs> oh the 2019 can't you know you, you kind of have problematic it's sure. it was troubling all the way yeah, like yeah, I mean it, yeah. it, it's it's not nuanced it's very clunky mm-hmm. Um, as like Kevin Bacon what year is this from? 1991 it's Kevin Bacon Joe Pesci and Tommy Lee Jones dressing up in kind of Close to. You, know, <laughs> you were going to say they were in the gay orgy. <laughs> they were essentially, yeah, they are painted. Also, let's they not paint forget. I'd go to an orgy with Joe Pesci. Who wouldn't? Uh, I I wouldn't personally, but I would go to one with Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I could see that he he he'd he'd, he'd would. He's rugged and manly. Uh, but this this. Also, treat, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon on a plane. They're on it. Well, for like two minutes. Mal, uh, Walter Matthau's on a plane. Jack Lemmon's in the office. Is he? Yeah, Jack. I remember on the plane. Right. No, Walter Matthau was in the, on the plane. I love Jack Lemmon. I love so Jack Lemmon so much. I love both of them. Such so a it's a great cast. Well, they also a great cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Sutherland explaining yes. how the world is rigged on a park yeah. bench. Which is also the whole speech is brilliant, but up Canada. And it's like you know, I got land in New Zealand. They had all the details. Twenty four hours before the murder even happened, should have done. Anyway, but no, but like, it's an amazing I, moment when no, you're just like, great. oh, it's so well done. Like knock back your drink. But it's, it's absolute pants. And the the sequence at the end, the kind of courtroom sequence where he goes through the back into the left stuff. The editing, the editing of the film is astonishing. It's the best mm-hmm. thing about it. It's a, one of the great editing films. Like it's brilliant. But it's you can just get so wrapped up in it. It's absolute mm-hmm. bollocks though. But it's fun, and there there are like reports if you ever read into it that Jim Garrison was a bit of a creep, and whatever like that Kevin Costner plays, Kevin Costner plays him that kind of American hero. Kind of Costner's very good at that. Uh, I like Costner a lot. I love Kevin Costner. Me too. He's great. And Sissy Spacek gets to play the wife that just complains about boy husband and mom for the whole film, and look just pops out kids. All of a sudden, there's seven kids. All of a sudden, so. So Jim he just was does, Jim gets down, does somehow. the business, gets the kids out, and then fucking ignores her. Wow, man! Thank Classic you, man. Classic Jim Garrison. Uh, but yeah, JFK's great. Um, I also rewatched Gone Girl. Oh. Um, and it's interesting because I went to see what Which I. I always forget is a David Fincher. Movie? Me too. Um, I went to see what I gave it when I saw it in the cinema because I've only seen it once. And I gave it three stars. And 
a letterbox and it was a bit kind of yeah. I, I liked it a lot more slightly more mm. I, I gave I upgraded it star I really good liked man. it it's 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 very good it's a, really kind of it is. it's a really really cynical and brutal view of marriage mm. and it the screenplay by Flynn is delicious like it's really delicious it's great mm. it's pulpy it's lurid when the the kind of whole sequence where she uh, Rosamund Pike who should have won the Oscar uh, takes over the story and the voiceover is the writing drips mm-hmm. off the screen and she is, as you delivered it so well and the kind of voiceover is great it's one of the great voiceover films in the way that you know the way I used to always play but people use voiceover like do you think they're Scorsese and they yeah. can't do it Fincher knows exactly what he's doing and knows how to deliver it and when to deliver it because he's a proper filmmaker he is. It's, it's really good I had a lot of fun with it I think Fincher has the fortune of being able to say that the very first movie he ever made was the most rubbish he can ever possibly I still go to Bat for Alien 3 but I don't I, I take your like, absolute point the like, only like way he could have gone from that is up there you so, go we're not reopening that no. wound yeah. All I'm uh, saying is that it's unlikely he'll ever make anything that shit again. So. Well, yeah, I mean, he he, he kind of admits himself that was a, up. it was a trial by fire. Like. I'm sorry, um, sure some would argue he didn't technically direct it given the level of interference. Well, but anyway, indeed, continue. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Gone Girl is great. Um, it is. I it, I find with Fincher's films though they do reward rewatches. Um, generally speaking, I like a lot of us like some of us. I don't really like Benjamin Button. I don't ever see myself revisiting it. I saw it when it came out. Yes. Aside from again. that. It's Everything competent and bland. I have found yeah. that is the best way I, I could describe I it. Panic Room a few years back. Panic Room's great fun. It brought a lot to it. Didn't it? Because I, I, I thought it was just a pure knockoff yeah. nonsense piece. Yeah, yeah. But you can see how influential it was on thrillers yeah. as well Completely. that came after it. I thought it got an astonishing shot. Yeah, there are the some great camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And floors. Baby Case too. I'm what? In Panic Room. Baby yes, case, baby Kristen Stewart, and has those uh, those joint credit sequences and streets, you know, yeah, it, yeah, which yeah, yeah. has been t- taken by everyone since, and every TV show and every movie that's been made the last decade has been used. Yeah, like he's he's a really good filmmaker. Like even, I maintain even when he's Zodiac as his masterpiece. Zodiac, oh, I completely agree. But he's made like I even like Girl Dragon Tattoo. I think it's it's a dog shit book, right? I, the I same like problem, the book. I, I, I mean, it's trashy. It is it's trashy. Readable. But it's the problems the book has, the film has, because the film isn't very good. It. I don't think. I, I, I actually disagree. I really like it. Um, and I, think I just couldn't a, get into it. And I like Emily Mara. I, I, I think she's great. I don't really like Daniel Craig. That might have had something to do with it. Yeah, I can see that. It's a squishy head. He has a squishy head. <laughs> I think he's a bit overrated. He has a squishy head. Don't know if that's a know controversial it. film. Opinion. I think he's overrated. Though. Uh, I don't. Think, I'm not sure if he's rated. Who rates him? <laughs> A lot of people love Daniel ah, Craig like somewhat inexplicably. Because he can drink whiskey and. He's not even an interesting Bob. He's anyway, not even no, a good anyway. Chris That's Russell's a conversation best bond, as Everybody one. knows Years. the best bond there's ever was and ever will be. I will go to bat for Timothy Dalton, but I, I like Dalton like, as well. He'd be probably my second. I like Pierce Brosnan. I yes. like Brosnan a lot. Um, and what else? Uh, two more quickly. I yes. watched. Uh, I think we're alone now, which is a Reed Morano film who directed the. Handmaid's Tale. I kind of co-created it. Yes, quite possibly. Yeah, she's uh, an interesting filmmaker. This is, uh, it, I think it's for Netflix or else Netflix bought it. Anyway, it's on the, I think it's on every Netflix like around the world. Uh, this is Peter Dinklage and... Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning. That's the one I always mix up the Fannings. Uh, this kind of end of the world apocalypse story, which you've seen probably a lot. These yeah. kind of stories. Um, and it promises quite a bit. The two leads are really good together. There's some really interesting ideas, some really nice shots in it. And then, like all these films, like you have that first hour of kind of quiet contemplation and, you know, kind of talking about the end of the world and people and all that. And then it has to do the other thing because there has to be a dramatic arc for the mm-hmm. last whatever. And your enjoyment of this film is whether you go with that or not go with that. And it doesn't really work, unfortunately. Uh, Final Act is extremely generic. Like you literally mm-hmm. telegraph it point, 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 point. It was like, a, it's like you put me in a screenplay program that you can 
almost you know delivers a screenplay for you you know is it something the cat or something you know the one it's a, some screenplay oh, that people follow like it's, save the cat yeah that's exactly it's what it has one of these kind of uh at the end and it's kind of like numbers. yeah algorithm yeah. kind of created kind of to hit the points that it has to put in and it's a pity because it's a like it's a really nice score does the ideas are good and it just kind of wastes a really good potential pity not like not awful but it promises once, a lot more than it delivered i once pressed play on this on netflix and then not five seconds later decided i was watching something else so mm, that's that <laughs> So I've never gone back to it. I literally just have like the bit at no. the start where the Netflix thing comes up and then I was like, wait, no, I'll watch something else. So it's not bad. It's like, yeah, it's okay. I, I don't get some work. Speaking of okay and not really very good, my last one is The Frozen Ground. Oh. Oh. Yes. Is this John Cusack terrible. and yes. Vanessa Hudgens? And John Cusack and Nicolas Nick Cage. Cage. Oh, it's they The very two actors that have just given up yeah. pretty much put them in the same film. They've had very strange like... Uh, similar career path where yeah they're just John Cusack will do anything he'll do anything now he must have he must have alimony issues is or like Nick Cage or tax issues that's at the end of there's nothing I, good in this it's, it's this very gener- generic the only thing I kind of liked about it Ooh. is that this is the first time I've seen Cusack and Cage kind of move off autopilot for the first time in a decade probably mm. they're, 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 they, least, they seem at least interested and engaged in the material okay. and the idea now, for a film that's based on a true story, it's painfully generic. So you have to, you really must have flattened it out yeah. to get it into this format because it does nothing that you haven't seen a million times. Wait. Like I've already forgotten it. And it seems like it's, it's dog shit. But you know, if you like Cage, and who doesn't? And I used to like John Cusack, but he hasn't done a thing in years. But uh, yeah, no, no, just no. But uh, yeah, that's me. I am done. Super. You did back in the day. Oh, Fifty Cent. Yes, who plays who plays a pimp? Fifty Cent miscast as himself yet again. Uh, that sounds somewhat problematic. Why is it him ending up in films that pair formerly great actors? Because he's in that awful, awful De Niro, uh, Pacino one as well. Righteous Killer one. Oh, Killer. Whenever Jim Sheridan made Get, get Richard Roy trying. It's the weirdest. Somebody thing. should write an article on that. That's a perfect <laughs> an Irish angle onto something like that. I'm gonna write that article. I'm gonna watch it and, re- and write Jim, it. Yeah, what are you doing? Stop giving Jim Sheridan money. Uh, that's that's what I've said. That's the more. title of Jay's autobiography. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah yeah. Anyway, let's get some film news. You ready? Hit me. Hit let's us. Uh, yeah. Screen Producers Ireland gave a statement about uh, RTE today. Oh yes. Uh, and you know how they need to change. Mm. And they welcome the announcement that RTE need to change. However, the concerns of specifics, which it is, if you've seen the RTE statement, it's very grand, broad gestures without any yeah. real thing except for selling shit. Uh, uh, yeah, the RTE hasn't made an absolute pig's ear this because it they, they have not got any like you think going forward a change would be welcome, but everything they say seems to be has annoyed everyone. Yeah, because yeah. uh, the things they've taken away and the things they're getting rid of. I mean, the digital their digital stations they're sending off for closing, like they never even paid the people that work on them. Like they don't even pay DJs. Like a friend of mine used to DJ and did posts on. Uh, it does just seem like they're doubling down on all the stuff that doesn't work. And and probably the costliest aspects of it too. Yeah, but they'll get rid of all the cheap stuff. Yeah. Moving the Limerick station and taking their lyric out of there, which is not a great idea if you're trying to cover a country. Um, uh, yeah, because, you know. But uh, yeah, they gave a statement on it and they talked about the fact that there's a lot of production companies and people willing to work and, you know, for, like, and work with smaller budgets to produce content yeah. and that they already do that and they should do it more, which is probably fair. I don't think RT ever really take a chance when there's a safe option pretty yeah. much on anything. Which but is they way, will put way, money into something inexplicably called pulling with my parents. 
Did you watch Pulling Love with Ireland, Grace? No, but no. I had to sit through a number of ads for it. That's your no. assignment next week, Grace. Yeah, I want you to watch the whole season and no. let us know in the review section. I think I'd literally rather claw <laughs> out my own eyes. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, yeah, RTE. I don't watch it really, ever. Yeah. So, you know, it's wasted on me. I listen mm. to one single program on RTE Radio and that's it. I listen to Eric FM all the yeah, time. Yeah, you do. But they it. should throw money at it. But you won't. It's fabulous. Yeah. So. Marty Whelan needs a raise. I like Marty Whelan. But yeah, so that's it. That's the RTE finally woken up the 21st century and We'll make an absolute hame to this, I say. Too late, yep. too late, I'm sure. I would have thought so. Um, Hattrick Productions announced that they appointed Louise Gallagher as a new script executive Ooh. producer in Belfast. She made Bump Along the Way, I think. Uh, oh, fair play. And yeah, it is. Uh, still haven't seen it. And apparently they have a few people working in Belfast now and doing work. I guess. Belfast is the place to be. Well, it's probably cheaper to rent as well. Um, it is. It's certainly cheaper than Dublin. Um, but they, they, they produce um, Dairy Girls and stuff like that as well. So. Excellent. Which is outstanding, and everybody should watch it. Great, you haven't watched this. Oh, dude, it's glorious. I'm gonna add that to Letterboxd, the best film of the year. Uh, No, I'm not. Uh, Moving on to cheerier, happier news. Lighthouse and Plus have a Christmas season (gasps) coming up, which they do do it very, very well. They cover everything. Uh, They do. uh, They'll have all the classics, so you get like Love Actually, uh, Die Hard, The Muppet Christmas Carol, which is outstanding. Speaking Uh, of five star movies. Uh, did you have Carol actually? I seen Muppets Christmas Carol, but not, not Carol. this year. They did what? last year, I think. Yeah. Ah, okay. Great uh, yes, I, the elf is there. I hate elf. So I don't I, like I don't elf. understand oh, how that reputation really that film gets. Like it's elf. not good. I know, so I should. If uh, you know that new kid Kubrick's going to catch a break finally and he's going <laughs> to get a film on the big screen, I am delighted <laughs> for you, Stanley. Kubrick, I'm telling you, Kubrick. <laughs> Sorry. Who I, said that? Yeah, what somebody. uneducated heathen came in here and shouted film that into the mic? Film Twitter has just tweeted that Grace, you're banned. You're cancelled. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, take that. And if, uh, their festive party on December seventh is a Home Alone party. Yay! Which does sound like fun. Kevin and so on. Uh, that I do like Home Alone actually. I think it's Joe really yeah, speaking of Joe Pesci. <laughs> and you have um, Meet Me in St. Louis, which I'm, which I got a I quiz question on, uh, if you remember correctly, uh, but from a screenshot. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but. Tempted to go and I'm see. I'm going to go see that. The ultimate it's a wonderful life, which is the best Christmas film ever made by miles. I will not be watching. It you really think I watch so? It every year in Trisco. Floods of tears every time I watch I it. It's glorious. I mean, the Muppet oh. Christmas Carol is right there. Both of them are great, but I, it's wonderful life. It's one of the greatest films ever made. That is on Mammy Duffy's uh, very long and distinguished, extremely overrated list. <gasps> She doesn't like You want to get her on the podcast to defend that? She likes to grow and roll her eyes and say that fucking Jimmy Stewart fella. <sighs> so. he Has she seen him reading the poem about his dog? Probably not. Stop. She needs to see that. Do you know what else they have as well? They have Nightmare Before Christmas with sing-along screenings, if you're that way inclined. But Nightmare Before Christmas I'm is a Halloween either. movie. That bothers yeah. me. It's a yep, Christmas yep. film as well. It's called the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, but it's a Halloween movie. They live in Halloween town. <laughs> also, I believe they're showing Miracle on 34th Street, which I hope is the Amara Wilson one. Hmm, I don't know. It doesn't say. Uh, the also shown uh, Doug Lyman's Go, which is yeah, that's for the hipsters. I saw that when it came out. The cinema in the 1950s or whenever it came out, 20 years ago. <laughs> when uh, Ronan when and I were in nappies. Out. Yes, I saw it in the cinema. Go was fun. It's good, yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. As I recall, I watched it well over 10 years ago. I quite like Lyman as a filmmaker. He's mm. all over the shop, but when he yeah. pulls it together, he's yeah. very, very good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the Born, Born Identity is brilliant. And better than all the Paul Greengrass films put together. <laughs> No, Ooh, shake the camera so we can't see who's fighting. <laughs> Fuck off, Paul Greengrass. Someone's uh, been playing too much Call of Duty. Yeah. The i 5 done something interesting, actually. The, 
they have they've stolen a Criterion idea essentially. Uh, they have uh, Lenny Abramson curating a playlist of favorite material to the i5 player oh. and did a thing, so he's picked out oh, sort of thing. Yeah. How many Kubricks are on there? Uh, there's no Kubricks on the i5 player, Grace, because it's lots of shorts ads particular selections Indeed. you don't put films on it like because why would anybody want what's, to see films uh, what's he gone for uh, he's gone for I will tell you now du, 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 du. Uh, full list includes Tiernan McBride's Christmas Morning a lyrical film commissioned by the Department of Foreign Affairs to commemorate the centenary of the birth of WB Yeats no, uh, Tudor style from Nor- Northern Irish filmmaker Roy Spence a short documentary the privately owned, privately owned Tudor cinema built and run by Spence and his twin brother Noel uh, Desmond Egan's In Wicklow Hills which sees two vegan daughters take a stroll along the country lane in Wicklow a Horgan Brothers animation from the 1910s and a short film focusing on the residents of Dublin's Gloucester Tree filmed by Father Jack Delaney in the 1930s Intriguing uh, the, the problem, I, I don't think it's a really good idea but I think the problem you're going to get if this is a continuing thing is how much material is there yeah. in actuality yeah. like I mean <laughs> if you had like actual films in the archive on it mm-hmm. you could actually yeah, do something, then maybe release box sets and maybe be able to bloody see them. Maybe but uh, mm-hmm. you know. so that people can see Maeve. Oh, the best. This the best. Oh my. Anyway, but yeah, it's a good idea. I like the idea of it. Uh, yep. Whether it works or not. Uh, something Ronan brought to my uh, attention today because oh I did not notice. What am I doing? Was the Derek Jarman protest <gasps> season in oh. Emma? Yeah. And also in the UFI are shown uh, some of the films in yeah. December. After a very, very, very lengthy legal battle, this is the first time that a lot of German's painting material will be shown. Yes. And in fact, it's the largest exhibition ever done of his work. And it's remarkable that we're getting it in Dublin. I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm going to go to it. It starts next week and it runs till February. Uh, yeah, it's going to be there for a long year. time. So I'm going to go to it. I know you're going to go. I can walk. Hopefully go a few times. And then go to the, the, the Royal Dublin. Yeah. Um, I am very very excited for the IFI season which has yet to be announced will be in December the last I had heard it's likely they're going to have all of his films uh, I've only seen a couple way way back in the day yeah, Channel 4 used to show them uh, um, quite a long time ago I adore <coughs> Sebastian because it is so I haven't seen that one and it's I the steamiest gay film <laughs> really? god no fuck up my oh, glasses you might have <laughs> your legs Jay woo steady <laughs> um, yeah because a lot of uh, you know uh, quite influential in terms of like you know Swinton, Joanna Hogg, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Absolutely. But if, hopefully not souvenir bad, but who knows? Um, who knows? Who knows? I'm reading the fortune. Each of those on the big swing and dick scale. I will. There are plenty of big swing and dick. I have no doubt. Four aubergines. <laughs> <laughs> it's a four aubergine film. This is uh, four aubergines and one broccoli. The twenty-seven aubergine scale. Uh, yeah, I've seen the garden, I think, and I have seen blue, which is. I'm blue. I've not seen blue actually. Blue is quite mad uh, in the sense <laughs> that it's not really anything except it's kind of everything. It's weird, mm, yeah. strange. Uh, but I've yeah. actually I I've seen a bunch of German stuff, but I've read more of his books than I've seen films, and he's just he's absolutely remarkable. I've seen some of the I've seen some of the art stuff around like online rather than actual because it's not anywhere. But I didn't really know much beyond that. I would not mm. own like books or anything, yeah. for example. But uh, yeah, really interesting. Uh, yeah, so. That sounds great. Starting next week in Emma in I'm running until February and then IFI in December. I believe Emma has uh, a lot of his short films that will be shown. Oh, okay. That sounds interesting actually. No doubt. Okay, excellent. That is the movie news. Who wants some top ten festivities? What is that? At number ten, because of the West Brits, it's Downton Abbey, hopefully (laughs) for the last week. Uh, this says get out already. Two point nine million, so likely over three million before the end of the to run. Bo. Probably, Jesus Christ! Yet. I have not, Ronan. You should take that before it like runs out. Park? Yeah, mm. I think I do. Okay. 
I think I haven't seen it long enough to really be sure of my. Yeah. yeah I, I yeah. think I've seen him come out and that's it. That's sure Altman. That's Altman. So, yeah, of course it is. Very much so. Fellows is like, oh, it's <laughs> one of those, isn't it? English, isn't it? <gasps> Less than. Uh, number nine is the preposterously sounding, but I kind of want to see a countdown. The one about the app that you download that tells you how oh, you have yeah. to live. That sounds ridiculous. It sounds what? like, yeah. I haven't heard about this. Grace, you're on. Next week, I want you at. <laughs> it's a countdown to countdown. Uh, it's a film is there where so interesting in this. I have no idea. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. I've forgotten already. Uh, I think it looks pretty generic, but looks like it could be fun. And if you're in the right mood, okay, okay. It piqued your interest. You won't go see the Irishman, but you'll go and see this. The Irishman is on Netflix, which means in my head I've already paid for it, which means I'll just wait for it to rock up on Netflix rather than paying to see. I'll buy you a ticket. Okay. Thanks, Jay. That's that's see that's my commitment to the Scorsese season. This is I will not. You stop that then. Tickets for everybody. Uh, yeah, no, no. It's worth chanting your arm, Rona. Yeah, can, can I ask? Uh, Will you buy me a ticket for Countdown? I might. <laughs> Would you go? Nah. No. <laughs> I'd give it away. <coughs> you would. You're, you're a good man like that. You like the Robin Hood of uh, free to one lucky winner. <laughs> uh, at number eight, Zombieland Double Tap, the sequel to a film nobody cared about. But Andy has made three hundred thousand. Uh, <laughs> does that, like I mean, did anyone like I thought Zombieland is fine, but like. It's did it really need a sequel a decade later? Yeah. Is there a, a replacement Bill Murray cameo? I'm sure they've got something. Matt Damon. It's always Matt Damon, isn't it? Matt Damon. He turns up in everything. He's always in the Mar- not the Marsh. Most of them he turns up on the plane. Oh, it was Interstellar, wasn't it? He turns up Interstellar. He turns up in a body bag. Really bad film. Interstellar is ter- terrible. No dog shit, Darren. I'm sorry if you're listening. I don't know if you still listen. No movie. No movie about space travel should get boring when they go into space. You telling me? What and uh, I Murphy's will be Law. Shut the fuck up. On Sorry. my deathbed, I'll be rolling over, going, "What the fuck were they going to do with all these embryos? <laughs> what were they going to implant them into? What was the plan? The it was going to raise all these children." Yeah. W T F. You tell her, Chris. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. Has Chris Nolan ever even heard of a badge? Sorry. <laughs> move along. That's the title you're about, Grace. Uh, <laughs> has Chris Nolan heard of a badge? A hack. <laughs> 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 While I'm on a roll. At seven, Grace, you ready? <laughs> yes. Where's it called Stephen King's Doctor Sleep? Does he didn't make it? Is there a non-Stephen Michael, King Doctor Sleep? Mike Flanagan made it. Yes, anyway. he did. Mike Flanagan's Steve King. <laughs> Mike Flanagan's Stephen King's a Doctor Stephen King, Sleep. Mike Flanagan joint. Doctor uh, Sleep. <laughs> Oh, I can't take this. It's too much for me. Oh, I've had a moment. This is out this week. It's 134,000. It's in the top 10. 153 minutes long. I probably won't go and see it. But Grace, you saw it. Yes. You took the, took one for the team here. I did. I went to see it the other night with my friend who is a boy. Oh. And <laughs> yes. I'm well, telling. You're Sorry, telling? Wait. How dare you, Jay? Sorry, I'm, I'm, um, I'm not a grass. I want to point that out. I am not a rat on anyone. <laughs> I would probably rash on the right people, but that's I'd wear a word to avoid prison. Hmm? I'd wear a word to avoid prison. <laughs> well, there you I, go. I'd roll over on anyone, family, friends, anyone to avoid prison. Well, then why did you just a minute ago say that you wouldn't rash on no, anyone? No, I wouldn't rat in general, but I'm saying if I was trying to prison, you are all going down like, are you <laughs> No. <laughs> the distortion would be terrible. It would. It would just uh, be crunching yeah, and chewing in the background. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to prison, I don't think. We hope. We hope. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, I really like this. This is, I should preface this by saying that I don't have any strong opinions on The Shining. It's fine. It doesn't, it's not a huge thing in my life. So I don't know if people who really like The Shining might not like, like this, might like it a bit from more. Twitter now, Grace. I was always cancelled to begin true. with. I'm a woman. That's true. Also. Anyway, 
Um, yeah, no, I really like this. This is, um, it's very well made, very well put together, visually quite striking, very good atmosphere. There are a couple of scenes in this which I genuinely found quite disturbing. Now, okay. I haven't read the book, so... Um, I have read the book. I did not, I don't know to what extent they might be in the book. I, it seems like a very Stephen King to have, you know, abject child murder <laughs> in a book. I, but I there, are, there are scenes in this where, like, basically, so... Ewan McGregor is the Danny, is that his name? Danny Torrance. Yeah, his character grown up. And he is, you know, knocking around being an alcoholic, generally useless, then starts to get his life together. It's grand. Then um, separately, there's a bunch. I don't know if there's a name for them. They're like beings or whatever, led by Rebecca Ferguson, who's amazing in this, as she is in everything. But um, they feed on what they call steam, which seems to be some kind of essence that's emitted by people who have the shining, the shining yeah, yeah. which I keep going to call the shining because thank you to the Simpsons. So anyway, essentially Rebecca Ferguson and her gang like to track down people like this. If they're particularly powerful, they'll sort of convert them to their little cult thing that they've got going on, which also includes Lurch from the Adams family. Always good to see him. Don't know his real name. I'm a bad person. Anyway, oh, okay. um, or they just sort of absorb said steam but the steam is what they call steam anyway it's purified by pain so they like to slowly stab children to death and then you know Asher who doesn't yeah it's anyway what I'm saying is that if you are a parent of small children or of a delicate disposition parts of this may bother you Niall may not see this yes but it is very good I think it's very well put together and I mean I really like Mike Flanagan anyway I've yet to see something of his that I haven't liked I'm kind of I I like his stuff Um, I love Hush and I love The Haunting of Hill House Hush is okay did he Mm. make Gerald's Game yes I did like that Mm -hmm. and that's a tricky Stephen King novel to adapt Except it's essentially set in one room for like ninety percent of it. Hmm. I think he you'd, has. Like, you'd, have, you'd get a kick out of uh, Gerald's game. Mm, I must try it. It's one. Uh, but I think he's good with that. I think he's I think good he at using fun. locations and yes, settings very I agree. well. I think and he's a better filmmaker. He's given credit. Oh, absolutely. He's very good. At and he has um, he has a good feel for horror in the sense of making it very atmospheric and involving without having the you know my least favorite aspect, which is the third act Product exposition, exposition dump. dump. Yeah. Um, so this trundles along very well for about two hours. In no small part due to Rebecca Ferguson, who's fabulous and just the most watchable person ever. I almost wish the whole movie was about her. Hmm. Although I will say that the casting in this is very good. Ewan McGregor is the only prominent white male part. Uh, A lot of the supporting cast, who are all equally good, are played by um, people of colour, including Cliff Curtis, who plays... um, uh, the Scatman Crudders role from The Shining mm, no? no I don't think so he's um, no that, isn't there a flashback thing is there uh, no is, there, there is another actor playing that part but okay, um, yeah. no he plays um, <coughs> basically because Ewan McGregor's character is an alcoholic and among other things when it starts um, he's kind of a guy who gives him a job and brings him to AA and helps oh, him sort of clean the, up his act the, the home, isn't there, yeah, yeah but I can't I cannot oh. remember his name for some okay. reason anyway he's very good and I really like him anyway he pops up in things here and there and he's very watchable and um, is it I'm not entirely certain whether it's Zane or Zan McLarnan, who's like the right, he plays like the right-hand man, I suppose, of um, Rebecca Ferguson's character. Okay. Also excellent. Um, so yeah, just the cast are very enjoyable, very good to look at. The wee girl who plays the um, the lead, I suppose, the other lead besides yeah. Ian McGregor is excellent. I don't think she's been in anything before either, which makes her all the more impressive. My only quibble is that it is quite long, which would not have bothered me, except the last maybe half hour or so is really like the retracing of the... The Shining, essentially, yeah, yeah, where yeah. they go back to the hotel. And I mean, 
narratively in a way it does make sense and thematically in terms of giving closure to Ewan McGregor's character yeah. and what he experienced as a child I can see why it's there um, I do feel like it went on for a little bit too long but it's a very minor complaint because for the most part I did really like this and I think it's very worth seeing okay. if you can almost deal with the runtime. Yeah. I Maybe go a little bit earlier in the evening cause I, and bring snacks before I got off <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm but yeah it's good maybe I'm maybe on it which I, I was on it no so maybe good stuff at number six Terminator Dark Fate oh I think God, we know I the Dark Fate there'll be no more Terminator films because it's bombed spectacularly yeah well that's what's yes. happened to the last like good, three or four of them terrible. and they keep making more of them there's one good Terminator film. that's it positive reviews of this I know Luke wasn't mm, convinced at all really yeah I haven't seen yeah, one I've, I've seen a few people say that it hmm. kind of you can take a trilogy with this one as the third now um <laughs> Interesting. I won't be seeing it ever. No, I'm not really. Neither will I. At five, Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, <laughs> uh, which I haven't seen, but I do want to see. But I will watch it at some point. Probably not cinema, though, but I will get to it because I do like Sean the Sheep so much. Um, and I just don't get time. Although it'll probably be in the cinema forever because, you know, it's a kid's film. It's been there three weeks so far and it's made almost half a million. Children. Speaking of children, <laughs> at four, Abominable. Which is another oh, kids the film, Yeti this movie. Yeti movie, which has made nine hundred thousand, uh, because you know, kids movies. Oh my God. We should make a kids film. They also had a Shouldn't midterm we? break last week. They so. did, yes. That's bumped it up spectacularly. Always on holidays. Yep. Shit, I'm so jealous. Uh, at number three, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, which apparently is appalling. Uh, well, it's still making money. It's made a million quid so far here, around, uh, in five weeks. Oh, no, three weeks. Hmm. Okay, That's good going. It's Disney, isn't it? Bastards. Hoovering up all the money in the world. Speaking of something I don't want to see. At number two, Joker. At number two. Yeah, it's got bumped. How uh, long has it been out? Five weeks, it's made. God, how much is it made? 5.8 million. It has. It has. Do you ever just want, like, that's diarrhea? Too much money. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not going that's to see how it. I feel about Will that. I see it eventually at some point? I don't know, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a Todd Phillips fan, so I, I don't. I don't. You if, so, if somebody ties me to a chair and puts it on in front of me and staples my eyes open, I might watch it. Consider that uh, December's podcast. We'll make that happen. <laughs> I mean, you could just watch it online for free, given it's made five point eight billion and doesn't need any more money. Clearly, so. right. yes, that's true. Uh, we're not advocating you do. We're advocating you don't watch it at all. Uh, in fairness, like a fair point. <coughs> uh, so it might yeah, be a masterpiece. It's not. Um, <laughs> I feel very comfortable saying it's not. Um, yeah. So no. The day Todd Phillips makes a masterpiece is a day. I quit. I quit Martin everything. Martin Scorsese changes his opinion on Marvel. Way. Don't even. Poor Marty. I love you, Marty. We all love Marty. God bless. Oh, Uncle Marty. I think Martin Scorsese's mother had a small part in Moonstruck. I knew there was something what? here. Catherine I saw Scorsese. the name Catherine Scorsese in the credits, and I was like, Fabulous. "Oh, hello." She's so amazing. I think she briefly came into a shop and bought bread or something. Are you going to make the passes us from uh, the film? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to watch the film and then make it. It's on YouTube, I think. Uh, did I say it was on YouTube before? Did I say that to you? No, I did. Uh, what's it called again? Um, Italian American. I'll send it on to you. I have it. I got post you. Post me the DVD. Yes, I will post you the DVD. <laughs> that costs a lot of money. Um, at one, speaking of midterm break, the Adams Family, the animation. Yeah. Uh, two weeks, it's made over a million quid, so it's doing very well. Which I'm not sure what the, whether that's good or bad. Like, I'm not suspicious. They do, thought they were going to make a fortune but it's, I think it's pretty solid animated like. movies always seem to make money here this one's an odd one though because uh, like who was this for like do you know what I mean who, who read, does anybody do kids like Adam Sammy is that thing but it's probably like I parents mean, dragging them yeah, along going, oh I love 
this but it seems to be okay but animation kind of yeah right does make fortune so. I saw I mean, a little bit of Adam's Family Values during the week um, that's good fun really good it's fun. excellent yeah. I'd, I'd have to rewatch both of them. I, I, I used to love them, but I haven't seen them in years. Yeah. Oh, the second one definitely stands up. In fact, I would argue in ways it's ahead of its time. Ooh, like, the first one is also great, but I think the second one really leans into the sense of just madcap yeah. fun, which is great. We got the freedom to do it after the first one was also successful. Also, Joan Cusack, so... Oh, gosh, she's a god. I love Joan Cusack. She's in Angelica. I want you dead and I want oh, your money. Or that off. infamous scene where Morticia is just like, all of this I could forgive, but really, Debbie... That's glorious. Glorious. Right. Box office top ten done. Yay. Let's get on to the new release. We're in the home straight now, we're on. We're almost there. There's only forty five new releases to get to and then we'll be on the way home. There's not. Um I suppose we'll start with the, the I guess the big new release of the week. Ba, 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 ba. Speaking of Marty, uh, the Irishman. Um yes, this is getting a release from the eighth tomorrow. Who is um, the Irishman with the title? Is it Robert De Niro? Yes. Yeah. Right. Do you give him digital blue eyes? Nah. Uh, we have discussed many, 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 many times on this podcast, I think, how terrified we are of the whole de-aging thing. Yes, I was breaking was it, to be quite honest with you. For ages in advance, there was all sorts of worry from people who worked on the film that it looked dodge and it wasn't great. And I've barely thought about it. I've thought about the film a lot since I saw it, but I have not thought about the aging. No, it's, I think it's it works not a big for the most part. part. Well, no. I mean, it is. It, but it, make well, it technically. Five minutes after you see it, it's kind of yeah, gone. Yeah, like, it's kind of, it is what it is. And in fairness to Scorsese, we perhaps should have trusted him a little more. He really should. Because I was talking about the idea of, like, getting younger actors to play the thing. And it, because of the way the film it is, mm-hmm. I'm not sure you could have. I'm not sure it would have worked quite as well yeah, because yeah. of the, the story that's being told I and the way so. it's being told. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think, it, like, you'll have probably heard about it anyway. What's, it's based on a Charles Brandt book, I hear you, Paid Houses, which was his, his series of interviews with Frank Sheeran before he died, where apparently he said he killed Jimmy Hoffa and various other people over the years. And that was his... Whether you believe it or not, apparently the book is quite fanciful mm-hmm. in that regard. Uh, I don't know if he did it. He says he did. But it's a good yarn regardless. Yeah. And what Scorsese does, then he no, it doesn't. And what Scorsese really getting at here is that kind of sweep of American history because it it kind of takes over a lot. Like there's like Kennedy assassination gets in there somewhere, and there's various little things like that about kind of American history and fighting the Korean War. Yeah, and then there's like you know uh, business kind of dealings in the context of you know the shift into corporations, which Scorsese obsessed with. You can see that even in like something like Casino. Where you know where yeah. mob money becomes business money, and which yeah. is the worst yeah, thing, yeah. and where does money come from, and where do these people go when they've stopped, mm-hmm. when you stop filming? I guess is the kind of thing. And of course, as you talking, and this is kind of it is a kind of about his own mortality and his own career and a, a summation of things he has dealt with for long, very, long, long time. Very much an old man's film. Yes, this kind of film you couldn't make when you're yeah. forty. You'd, yeah. you'd have to be. And it, I think it's a, it's pr- in some ways it's the final word on the gangster film in a lot mm, of ways. I think so. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. If he went back I'm not sure how yeah. you, how he, he. I'm not sure how, like I'm not sure how anybody could follow it in some ways because everything will be just feel reheated to some yeah. degree. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's 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 probably the pioneer in some ways of a particular sort of gangster film. Because I mean everything was aiming for Godfather kind of prestige before Goodfellas came along and just had the kind of grunts running around the place uh, I think you do something like um, that I was talking about Magic Ron did with um, Gamora uh, the other day yeah. and you could see the Goodfellas and Scorsese influence to some degree on the kind of low level mm-hmm. biddy kind of thing and I'd be, I'd be interested to see what how this is seen 10 years from now 
as, as whether it'll be seen as a mass tweet swipe will be seen as something weird and kind of the the agent will give it a certain shelf life. It'll yeah. certainly yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll certainly measure it in time. But I, I think it's a terrific film. Like the last half hour, last forty five minutes maybe, is as good as it's anything he's done. It's so sad and elegiac and quiet. And it's, it's a very and it's very, film very film. Yeah, it's very sad. It is very. I think sad is kind of it's, it's some kind of really lonely, wintry last forty five minutes, mm. and it's really beautifully told and really delicate, and really quite beautiful. Like, and it, it's, I was surprised by that. Yeah. Not, and it yeah, probably yeah. shouldn't have been in some ways because like, I kind of know what to expect almost, this stage it's surprising within the context of the film itself because despite being three and a half hours long it really zips along yeah. I mean it's really funny it's much funnier than I expected yeah. it's practically a broad comedy Chino eats up the screen he is hysterical. Yes, yeah. he's he, eaten up the screen in terrible ways for the last like, yeah. two but decades he, but he, so, he, but he eats his feet firmly planted on the floor here and he delivers an absolute belter of a performance he's been in years and years and years Joe Pesci God, my Joe Pesci. I love Joe Pesci. He's fabulous. And the, the, there's a little things that happen with Pesci's character who plays Russell Buffalino, one of the old gangsters, that he he really wants to be loved and beloved and everybody kind of hates him. Yeah. And he kind of has this kind of sad grace about him that he can't just... Like, the kids hate him. They're all fearful of him. And everybody loves Uncle Jimmy Hoppy, you know, because he's Pacino bouncing around the place. And you find Joe Pesci creepy. And eating ice cream. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Pacino like, was... eats so much ice cream in this film. <laughs> And there's like even like there's some great scenes, even the picture of Rose right earlier of like uh, going to meetings in shorts, really kind oh, of minutiae, that kind of weird little things. Yeah. It's it's hysterical and it's really good. It's really fun. It, it, as Rose says, it kind of blitz by once you get past the first 10, 15 minutes of yeah. kind of getting used to it and getting mm-hmm. kind of sense of what it's about. It, it's it's a, it's a there's a lot here. And it's a really I mean, smartly structured script yeah. too. Yeah. There's a kind of framing device within a framing. Yeah, device. yeah, yeah. It bounces from different eras, different mm-hmm. feel, different people. And De Niro's great. And De Niro's the, the least showy of the roles in some way. Like, he's a straight man yeah. doing it, De Niro. You know, the, the way he can do that kind of grunting, keep walking straight ahead thing. Which, it, there's nothing, there's no real, he's no grandstanding scene in it. Like, in the way that Pesci has this kind of quiet thing and Pacino's doing Pacino. And, but De Niro's just kind of the anchor to it. He yeah. gives it a weight. And he is very, very good. And in a way, he hasn't been in a long time either. Mm. It's a great cast. Like, it's, Harvey Cattell pops up here there briefly, oh, also briefly. So I would kind of done a bit more Harvey. Um, Anna Paquin, who plays is Rockdale's adult daughter, is the really only main significant female uh, character in the film. It's it's very much a male story and an introspective one, and the one that Scorsese's been kind of grappling with way back since the seventies, and then rageable of these kind of men that are terrible at inflicting everything on themselves it's and what others. Leave in their wake. Yeah, and did and. The Nero says this really interesting thing where characters pop up, you know, and uh, the character will be kind of like a freeze frame and it'll, you know, yeah. Joe Baloney, you know, shot shot in the head, 1987 outside his front door. Like he tells you that they all die, like everybody dies. That's like, yeah. it doesn't matter, you think you're the king of whatever now, but you know, it's all waiting for us in the end, regardless of how long we live. Like, and it does really interesting things. With, and Anna Paquin does do a lot with a small role, but it's, yeah. she's not, she's not not given lines because Scorsese doesn't want to give a woman lines she's not given lines because she does something it's a silent accusatory thing throughout like I think she gets a few words in it but like yeah. the whole point is she looks at her father with absolute disgust at so many points and it's done deliberately to make him feel worse and it works really really well it's not it's meant to be that way it's not meant to be kind of mm-hmm. you're not talking because this only lads could talk and it's not that it's, it's done for a very specific yeah. purpose um, and she is very good at the devil fucking looks she gets he gets off her all the time even though, like there's a kid playing her initially and then she plays her shoulder 
Um, I, I, I loved it. I kind of loved it. And yeah. re- relief as well to some degree. Yeah, yeah. I had such a really, really good entertaining time with it. Yeah. And then, yeah, as, as you say, then you the, the last 45 minutes or so, you're kind of, you're off guard because you've been kind of laughing, enjoying it so much. And it just pulls the rug out from under you completely. And realize that, you know, the that extraordinary length. Scorsese has been kind of quietly tinter- tinkering behind the scenes to deliver this immense payoff. Yeah. It is such a great coda. And it feels like a coda to... You know, it's not as if it's coded to his career. He's going to make kind, it kind of is. He but it's a, sort yeah, of no. a it's a summation, on, yeah. certainly on his yeah. work within that genre, and with those actors as well. And I think we were discussing it afterwards. And the thing it made me think of most is Unforgiven. It's, yes, it's like I was thinking that when I was watching Unforgiven. Unforgiven for the the gangster genre. Yeah, feels like Whereas, where do you go from there? Then assessing, you know, its the, impact, the genre itself, culturally, but yeah. what Scorsese as a filmmaker has done to contribute to and shape that genre. It's really for better or for worse. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very complex. In the context of your Scorsese season, Grace, I'm absolutely fascinated to see what you think of it. Mm, yeah. I am absolutely fascinated. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. So when I buy you that ticket, get going. I will. Excellent. Um, also at this week, uh, Meeting Gorbachev, which is the uh, Werner Herzog documentary mm. on Gorbachev. Oh, Werner. A, this looks okay. Um, <laughs> it like That looks a little, not safe, I guess, but yeah, it's... Yeah, it, yeah. And maybe not dry because I imagine there's some weird stuff in it because it's hairs like you know he probably throw it a weird question. Tell me about your encounter with a squirrel. That's the most incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. Thing ever. Jesus Christ, making a man cry. Yeah, it was very odd. Uh, so this I think the UFI this week. Um, this I might go into this. There's not much out this week. No, there's so, not. Uh, so that I am going to catch. So I'll uh, I'll make time for that. I think. Uh, also this week, also the UFI I think as well is a doll called Money, which is the Seamus Murphy film about the making of PJ Harvey's latest album which was made in public that is movie which, next week is it yeah I might get to see that then I think I'll get to see that it's on the iFi anyway so we should we should be along presently I think we've got excellent yeah excellent. that makes me happy uh, I've heard good things uh, I think it was on Galway I didn't get to see it mm. because I was probably in the pub yes uh, which was stuffing your face with pizza or watching bar films oh, all of those things mm-hmm. you, Galway is immense you go to Galway everybody should go to Galway anyway yeah uh, also this week is <laughs> a film I, I, I've I only heard of like last week for the first time oh. when I saw a trailer which is Midway the Roland Emmerich does, oh, uh, yeah. does the Battle of Midway like yeah. I did not realise that was a Roland Emmerich movie is that what he, is that what he did? I believe that he had to go off and get alternative funding or something I haven't read too much about this but I saw people talking I about saw it a trailer um, and it looks like Pearl Harbor yeah. which the Pearl Harbor exists seem very generic. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's the cast looks like a yellow pack everyone it's a uh, Ed Screen it's who? Ed Screen he was in who was he? He's the he name was in Game of Thrones briefly who was he in Game of Thrones? Um, Dario he's the original Dario ah yes 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 and then know. he's been in other stuff too but I can't for the life of me remember any of it he's all, also in it is Patrick Wilson Luke Evans Aaron Eckhart and Nick Jonas no Jonas out of nowhere it doesn't like it seems like you got you got an A list when you have a studio and say, "Let's lads, we have to fund it ourselves. Look down to the C list and see what we can pull out here." Mm, yeah, I uh, I have very little time for Emmerich. His Stonewall film was dreadful. Oh, I heard it's appalling. Awful. Uh, yeah. awful. Like, like so I've had fun with stuff like Independence Day. It's great fun. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll go to back. And now. the day after tomorrow. That is nonsense, but it is fun. I love the day after tomorrow. Is that the John Cusack limo driver one? 
No, that's what? 2012. Ah, that's good fun as well. That's true. The day after tomorrow is like seemed nonsensical at the time. It does not seem so nonsensical. That was the that was the floods in New York City Library when Jake chasing them through. Hurricanes. That was Jake Jake Gyllenhaal, right? L.A. Yes, and Dennis Quaid. Jeez, Dennis Quaid. What a man. Dennis Quaid is here. You seen that skit on Ellen? No. Where um, she basically she puts though? no. This was ages ago, and oh, it was okay. probably from like two thousand and five or something. Jesus, but like okay. she put in like he's wearing an earpiece and he goes into a coffee shop and he has to say whatever she says to him. Okay. So she says like, "Say Dennis Quaid is here." So he walks into the shop and he literally like bellows, "Dennis Quaid is here!" Almost <laughs> <laughs> like It's a funny thing. Okay, so well, yeah, day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's probably okay. going to be better than this. I. Because I didn't know this existed literally until last week. It's like, how can a big blockbuster not uh, not have a hear? Yeah, it, it, it has all just the hallmarks when actually. you look at like the poster <laughs> stuff of something that's meant to be big and important, and you're like, but this mm. is kind of just not. 138 minutes yeah, for anybody counting. It's, it's not that long, in relative terms. That's a long it's shorter time. than Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. And Ish. <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. And the Irishman. Yes, indeed. So uh, yeah, I look forward to your review next week. And uh, <laughs> right, he's going to Midway. What You're going to the Irishman. What are you going to? I'm going to the Shane Abbey. No, no, stop. <laughs> I go to a dog called Money. I get the no, good gigs. You want to go to that one? I'm the boss here. I'd say who goes to where. You should. <laughs> I'd be more than deserving of it, in fairness. Um, also, this week, is it Luce? L U C E? How are we pronouncing that? Luce? L U C E? What language are we talking? Luce. It's an American film. <laughs> it's gonna be crap because Naomi Watts is in it. Oh no! <laughs> she hasn't Naomi. done a good film in twenty years. Like, uh, um, it's, no, Naomi Watts, Octavia Spencer, Tim Roth, and it's the married couple is Tim Roth and Naomi Watts. If you want to watch a remake that, of um, that in itself, just remember the remake of no. Funny Games? They were the married couple. Oh, they were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, God, I forgot about that. This is a married couple is forced to reckon with their idealized image of their son, adopted for war torn Eritrea, oh, after an alarming discovery by a devoted high school teacher threatens his status as an all star student this oh, sounds Jesus, dangerous Mary this sounds like Joseph. you've got to walk a really really yeah. careful line which yep, yep, yep. I don't know I, I don't know I haven't read much about it so I don't know do we know if, who made it uh, we do it is Julius Ona whoever that is I don't know who that is I am unfamiliar with this person the wrote script and directing uh, I don't know much about it I haven't even read any reviews yet so I don't know whether they've successfully walked that line but it sounds tricky something about the combination of Naomi Watts and Tim Roth just doesn't fill me with confidence right? I don't know why anytime I see Naomi Watts on it other than Diana and Mulholland Drive, I'll avoid. Diana's amazing. You yeah. should both watch. I'm sending you that, that Diana <laughs> tonight. You're both getting it. Marvellous. It's amazing. Ooh. No. Julius Ona directed last The Cloverfield Paradox. Oh. Isn't that supposed to be really bad? Yeah, I think I heard that. Mm. Okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll look forward to your review next week, Ron. Um, <laughs> Take his mic away. <laughs> He's drunk on the power. Uh, okay, and finally... And this, if if this is not a Bill Condon movie, of course it's a Bill Condon movie. The Good Lawyer, starring Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen, they star in literally every Bill Condon film, don't they? Chasing that silver dollar. Yeah, career con artist Roy Courtney. I presume that's Ian McKellen. Roy Courtney. That, that sounds like a kind of Helen Mirren would do a great Roy Courtney. She would. She'd do a great anything. Career art con artist Roy Courtney can hardly believe his luck when he meets well-to-do widow Betty McLeish. Online, <laughs> I want to see this. Honestly. I'd die for this film. <laughs> uh, as Betty opens her home and life to him, 
I don't Come know what on, she was going to say there, Betty. Steady on, Betty. Roy <laughs> is surprised to find himself and then dot, dot, dot didn't take the whole thing. Oh, well. <laughs> it's a cliffhanger, folks. Get to see it. I, I will not tell you the rest of it. Because I don't. Done some good stuff. And he's also done some bad stuff. Yeah, um, could he, go either way. It could go either. I, I have a good idea which way this is going <laughs> to go. But It's probably perfectly pleasant. Race report back next week. I can't <laughs> wait to find out. It's going to be fantastic. We have to sit what through this and three hours of the Irishman. You betcha. What a double bill. Oh boy. Chase that silver dollar with Marty and Helen Mirren. Bring me wine. Why don't Marcy and Helen Mirren make a movie together? Oh, wouldn't it be great? Wasn't yeah. Helen Mirren, wasn't Helen Mirren I was reading the other week, somebody, some older actress was supposed to be in The Wolf of Wall Street. and In the Joanne Lumley. Yes. Was it Helen Mirren? I can't remember who I read during the week, some English actress. That would that would make sense in my head. Joanne Lumley's great in it, actually. She's, She's really good in it. It's a really good performance. she hitting on me? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. Like that one a lot. Like ah, fun. Uh, just watch more Scorsese. So I can watch more Scorsese. Imagine okay. if Wolf of Wall Street was Helen Mirren and the Leonardo DiCaprio role. Good lord, that'd be amazing. I would have watched it a lot sooner. Yeah, right. I, I started Wolf watching the Wolf of Wall, Wolf Wall Street. Street. I turned it off Wonderful. after half an hour and never went back to it's it. It's great. No, I love it. It's it's, it was very long, and season. it seemed like it would take a lot of energy. It is. It, the film is a lot, but it's energy. If you're in the mood, it skates a lot. I remember seeing it in the hallway. I went to the press screen in the ice send screen in the Odeon mm-hmm. at 10 a.m. It's Jesus. a lot for 10 a.m. Good it lord. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, caps. Pummeled too. me. Had you a good breakfast, didn't you? I had. Uh, I really love it though. It, it, it's one of those, like I've seen it a few times because um, I, I really don't feel the length of it. Like it doesn't, yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. like it breezes by. It never stops. And the voiceover is hysterical. Yeah. It changes what's on the screen and everything just to suit the voice of it's just one of the glorious sequences of the decade of him the, trying to get to his car oh my Sweet god Jesus oh man the cerebral palsy phase of doing drugs it's amazing scene I've that he didn't win an Oscar for that and they rewarded he should have won an Oscar for it riveting. yeah he should have won an Oscar for it should have won an Oscar for The Departed is the hill I will die on Ooh. but yeah you've seen The Departed haven't you yeah I like The Departed a lot. I it's I've cooled on it significantly. I think that is the last time I've actually liked to caps on something. Oh. Ever since then, it's just been a race to the bottom. Ah, uh, Wolf Wall Street. He is sensational. Mm. It's the best thing he's ever done. We'll it's the see. best thing he's ever done. We'll see. You will see, Grace. I'll be sinking on the Titanic. You won't be seeing it this flag. week because you'll be uh, you'll be watching all the films I've assigned you. But when you get once upon a time in Hollywood, I'm once upon a so time in Hollywood twice. Okay, well you won't see me next week because I will have <laughs> smothered myself. So. Ah. We hardly knew you. <laughs> Right, that's it. Go home. Go away. Go do wherever you need to do. Get out into the air. Big swinging dicks. Thanks, Grace. Uh, pleasure as always. In your weekly feast of swinging dicks. And vagus. There was a vagin there. There was a vagin. What a world. What a Equal world. Equal opportunities. Like we, I are, said. we are. We are. Later. No, nothing can stop us. Bye. Bye bye.